0: Okay, we're going to start with the lesson this morning that we wanted to have a little interaction with. So anyway, I want to talk to you about emotional spiritual warfare. We've talked a lot about mental spiritual warfare and how our thought life can get us into where your head starts spinning, your thoughts are crazy, you have to call someone I need prayer, my mind's going berserk on me. But what about when it's not a thought, it's just a feeling? It's just an emotion. Has that ever happened? Like where it's just pure emotional. You can't even put your finger on what started it. Something in me just doesn't feel right. And you probably could tell me what the emotion is, but not necessarily maybe what the thought is. So we're going to talk about the crack (laughs) between your thoughts and a demon That's what we've talked about before, the crack between your thoughts and a demon. What about the crack between your emotions and a demonic attack? Because you can do something about a thought. I mean, most people don't think you can. Most people think they've got to think about whatever's shooting through their brain. But we've learned that you can take thoughts captive. But what, when it's an emotion, a feeling, what can you do? Like, if you're under that kind of attack, how can you find a crack between your emotions? You can't because it's what fills up your whole body. You feel that emotion. So, let's talk about the key verse we're going to use for the warfare. We're going to use Matthew 13, 20 and Mark 4, 16, and 17, because it's the same, it's the same parable, but it's uh, said a different way. So in Matthew 13, 20, it talks about that immediately the warfare starts. When the word is sown into your heart, immediately warfare starts. And it says you receive the word with joy. So you see the word coming into you. You see warfare starting. You better know what to do about it. Like that's something we've got to know what to do. When there's warfare, we've got to know what to do about it. And we've received it with a good spirit about us. We have joy to it. How can we sustain our joy? How can we hold our joy? Like, joy is a wonderful thing. Usually when somebody receives the word and they're real happy about what they got, I kind of, oh, good, I don't have to think about that one anymore. You're like, oh, good, they, they've got it with joy. It's that old grumpy person not wanting the word. You have to push it in, dig it out. You're worried about that person. They're not receiving. They don't have any joy about the word. They're, that's the person you're worried about. But when somebody receives it with joy, I kind of just go, check. That one's taken care of. They've got joy. But it says when you receive it with joy, immediately the warfare starts. The point that I'm going to ask you, is the word under attack or is the joy under the attack? You know, because immediately you have something that you're really, really pleased about, and the enemy's just not going to let it sit there and just be joy to your soul. So you're going to find in your life that your joy is under attack. So it's a great thing when suddenly in your life you get joy about the word of God. So this is how it reads. In the parable of the sower, we must remember the seed fell upon the stony ground. So the seed fell. It was that rocky kind of terrain that we're used to in Texas. It says, this is equivalent to those who receive the word of God with joy, but they only endure for a short time, and they don't develop deep roots. So the seed goes in the ground. There's a lot of rocks, and it can't get the roots in. And it tells you what occurs to you that makes the the seed go under attack. It says that you either get tribulation, trouble, Just trouble starts in your life. You're like, how can trouble come from this many different directions or persecution? That somebody is after what you got. You'll get two or three whispers of, oh, I know who they are. Or, oh, I know where this is going to lead. They'll just start pecking away at that seed inside of you. And immediately, two things that are under attack. The seed, the word, and the joy. So this is what I'm calling emotional spiritual warfare that it immediately creates chaos inside of you. But we want to do something different with this than looking at it as just your thoughts because really this group probably is trained to handle your thoughts. Like if you go into a situation and you're about to, let's just say, take a test, you're about to do something difficult or... You know, you're about to go to the doctor. You just don't let your thoughts go crazy and start speaking all kinds of negative and and you're going to die and, and you're going to fail. And You know what to do on that kind of a thought attack. But what about emotions? That makes you feel pretty powerless. So I'm going to read you this statement. When we stop justifying the emotions as being part of us as something we can't help, we will likely see that there is going to be a crack between our emotions and self. Let me read it a different way. When we stop justifying the emotions as being part of us to the point we think our emotions are something we can't help, we are likely to see that we are in emotional spiritual warfare. Because a lot of times, I think with emotions, we don't think about that as being spiritual warfare. When it's your emotions all over you, you don't think, oh, I'm in danger. But this verse tells you that your joy can come and you can be so happy that God is a part of your life. And immediately the enemy comes in and that's what he wants to take away. That's what he wants to block. That's what he wants to let you not get a root. Boy, if you can get a root in that joy, if you can make it where joy is permanent and you get your roots down into the word and get your joy it's gonna be a good life for you to have that stability and that strength. So we can't begin until we have the interactive part. So before we begin, I wanna hear from you. What is the definition of a feeling? Give me language. Come on, someone, someone just jump to the table. What's a feeling? Just give me words. Language. What is a feeling? I think feeling
1: can be a lot of things. I mean, feeling can be Holy Spirit. Feeling can be emotion.
0: Okay, first you said it can be Holy Spirit, which would be the source of the feeling to me. Mm -hmm. You're doing what the definition does. If I'm going to define feeling and I'm going to look it up, if I'm looking up feeling, it'll say emotion. If I'm looking up emotion, it'll say feeling, unless you're in psychology, and then it does something totally different with it.
2: Something that happens that makes us feel a certain way that we can't control, something that
0: just kind can. of... Okay, can't control. Now, listen to her words there. Something. G- give me words, give me language for something. Something. W- what? What is a feeling? I would
3: say it comes from a thought, usually.
2: Like it starts with a thought, then you, know, you entertain it, and then there
0: comes the feeling That's what we've been discussing. Do thoughts have feelings? Or do feelings have thoughts?
2: It's something that you perceive with your heart or your soul rather than your mind.
0: Okay, uh, okay, you see it what?
2: It's something that you perceive with either your heart or your soul, but not your mind. Well, sometimes the feeling is first before the thought.
0: Like you can wake up and feel like you're seeing that thought. <laughs> because my mom's going to say, no, 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 you had a, some thought way back there. If you can trace down the thought, you can say why the emotion. But uh, some of us say, no, 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 we have an emotion and don't even know why, and later we give it justification.
4: I think it's like, so your nervous system. Okay. It's not, it's
0: not <laughs> nervous. Uh, I, that's what I'm looking for, Eric.
4: You've got nerves, right? uh Something is hot, and you touch it, you feel it on your skin. Mm-hmm. Your feelings to me are like your soul, not, mm-hmm. not necessarily your spirit, but like your soul, like you've got nerves. You've got a sensory system inside of that. That the te- perceives. The
0: text Perceives. The text. Okay, now when they describe it, they're saying a lot to do with temperature. So he's saying basically your soul has a temperature. It's either hot or cold. What do you do when it, it's
4: not right?
0: Uh-huh. It's oh now that now we're gonna get no, into that right in a right second. Well, uh-huh.
4: Sometimes uh-huh. something is so cold you grab but it.
0: I've asked myself, okay, so inside of myself there is this thing called feelings. Where is that located? Like if I say I have thoughts, when you think, do any of you perceive that your thoughts are coming from your big toe? Like I'm sitting there going, I'm thinking, don't step on my toe, it's thinking right now. Yes, and it's because you've got your sensors, your eyes and your ears, taste, all that right there with it. So I'm seeing and I'm calculating right here. But feelings, where are they located? If I said heart, where do you say heart? Well, we all know because we did biology, you know. So heart. But when you say feelings, where are those? They come from your mind. They come from your mind. That comes from a very analytical person. I think it has
2: to come from. I think your. I think your thoughts have to come first. Ultimately,
0: even if it's subconsciously, if you don't mind, come over here and hold hands with mom because y'all are y'all agree. But with Katie, we're gonna say, Oh no, she's like just bubbles, it's just feelings. She doesn't know where she No, your thoughts have to come first, even if
2: it's subconscious thoughts or thoughts from way back when that you're not even necessarily bringing to the surface now, but they have to originate from some
0: thoughts. That's what mom digs for. Look at mom, she's real happy over. Maybe you should go sit with Catherine. She's not moving, Mom. That's
4: what
2: I'm asking. Is it irrational? rational you think if there is any feeling? Yes, absolutely. Or is it you just
0: have to Okay, but I'm gonna still claim what I said to her. I'm gonna still I'm gonna still claim because men are typically in their soulish uh, makeup they're more reasoning analytical. Women are more emotional. So sometimes this could divide among those lines. But I'm gonna still say something here. What Catherine is saying to me is still source. She's saying the source of a feeling is thoughts. But what's a feeling?
1: What's the answer you want? <laughs>
0: for you to solve it. <laughs> I, I got so mad at this lesson for three hours, I could not answer that.
4: Is the perception of conditions without words or understanding?
0: Yes. Very strongly, they use the word perception on it. That it's a perception. So let's use a different word than perception and make it a little stronger. Reaction. So, Yes. You came there with a reaction. It's a reaction. It's a perception. But what is it?
1: I think the only way to put it in words is reaction. I mean, you, feelings are everything reacting to your home life, your family life. It's mm-hmm. your body's, which goes back to thoughts. Yeah. It's
0: Okay, perception, reaction. Reaction. reaction, okay. I'm
4: going to put them on the same category. There. So so why does a song that you like all of a sudden lift your spirits?
0: Uh-huh, I'm going to put uh, it in the does. Same category there. I mean, why? If I want to make money, I just have to have in my song something about feelings. If you put the word feelings in a song, notice it'll go to the top. And uh-huh. I feel like it has to do with action, like it's something that you do in response to an emotion. Response, reaction, perception. But, but I'm still You're hearing path. I'm not hearing, what so is the, the feeling? Like, Like can't, <laughs> you can't cut into yourself and say, oh, here's where the feeling bag is. Will
2: the baby have feelings because it has thoughts?
4: Or does it just have feelings? Because I'd say
2: it,
4: <laughs> <laughs> it Do animals? Yeah, does it have doesn't
2: have language. Why does it have feelings? It feels scared. Uh-huh. It doesn't have someone touching you. It feels.
0: So, so we're working on sourcing, we're working on what causes it, perceptions, reactions, but we really haven't defined what is this thing that's maddening inside of us that makes most of our decisions. I mean, by the time we're saying it makes most of our decisions, the lack of the right if you're emotionally deprived, it, it's a huge problem. But we can't even say what is an emotion. It's a feeling. What's a feeling? It's an emotion. I think
1: it's, I think it's Holy Spirit. I mean, because, you know, God instills in everybody that we all know what right and wrong
0: is. C.S. Lewis actually wrote on this concept that within even the unregenerate man, even the unsaved man, he has a, a conscience that can, it, he said, it, it, the Bible says it's not always accurate. But there is a sense of right and wrong that God put within all people. Paul talks about that, and I was... That's not
1: your emotions. I do think yeah. the feeling, though, does come from the Holy Spirit. Gets- okay,
0: then let's take her, her idea. Let's say that we've been mixed up all this time about feelings and emotions, and they really aren't anything but either the Holy Spirit comes into you and you feel his presence, his thoughts, his whatever, he, however he manifests, or a demonic spirit, a dark side comes into you, and you feel the, ugh, not so good. How about if we're devoid? We don't have any feelings in and of ourselves. Like we're just perceiving the Holy Spirit, just perceiving evil? Uh, do we, like, because we have this thing, because I've argued this with thoughts. Some people say they're either God's thoughts or the devil's thoughts. And I'm like, no, I think man is an entity, and I have a thought to brush my teeth this morning.
4: Yes,
0: free will. Free will. So free emotions then.
4: The emotion is what you do with that emotion is where the problem is. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But, um, but, you know, I mean, the emotion,
1: uh, you can have, you have a emotion,
4: emotion of rage just... that you really like, you know, I want to...
0: Yeah, we're going to get to uh, like...
4: But whether or not, I mean, if you dwell on it, it's when you let that emotion mm-hmm. alter your decision. Right. So a lot of times it's hard, and it's hard to control your emotions see something on TV and uh-huh. you really upset. Uh-huh. Somebody gives you a phone call or gives you a bad report. You have that instantaneous, but then you have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with that? It's not that about,
2: that's about consequences though, right? Mm-hmm.
0: That's, it's still kind yeah. of the yeah. con- collusion.
2: Which is why I think it's more about a feeling because if you're scared, you're scared because of the consequences this whatever situation may give you or uh-huh. So you're reacting to whatever it is that's either making you feel good or bad because of the consequence of that thing.
0: What I've heard so far is we have a beginning, a source, where it came from, and we also have a conclusion, a prophecy, a results, what we do with it, a finish. But I haven't found what, what are words for me for what a feeling is. Language. You know, the dictionary really tries and thinks they can give words to everything.
2: Okay, this will either make sense or I will sound like the weirdest person here.
0: Well, we're open to weird right now. We're open to way out there.
2: Okay, I, my emotions and my thoughts are separate. My thoughts are up here, I hear my thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: My feelings are here and I don't hear them, but they're
0: there. I, I, I think that's a point. I think that's a point. You're hearing thoughts. You're feeling feelings. Let's just use that for right now. since we
2: don't always
0: line up. My gosh, what about that dilemma? My thoughts are different than my emotions. I've had that before. I mean, I hate to admit it, but that sounds like I'm completely divided, split down the middle. But sometimes I have thoughts ticking off, but I have emotions. That kind of reminds me of my great-grandfather who... Had been making fun of my grandfather when he was dating my grandmother, and he told you know te- you know how men test other men on the farm. He said you know get in there with the uh, the cow, and my great grandfather was a rancher. I mean he was wiry, lean, mean. You know he was that machine. So my grandpa was a hard paying football player and good-looking, and you wouldn't want to spoil any of his good looks. So he jumps in the pen. And that cow chases him all the way around the pen. And uh, he gets out. My grandpa- great grandpa's laughing at him, going, You city boy, you know. And he's really giving him a hard time. So my grandfather said, Get in. So my great grandfather jumps in there. And the cow chases my great grandfather around and around. And they said, What happened? And he said, uh, My head said stay, but my feet said run. <laughs> And I would say the part that tells your feet to run is your emotions, your thoughts are saying stay because you're gonna make a pull out of yourself and you just made fun of your new son-in-law that's to be. But your emotions can tell you to do one thing and your thoughts another because his pride wanted him to stay in there. My
2: solution so far has been
0: the of both. It works. That's your kid, I can tell. I, this is where I just started splitting apart on language for feeling. So I, I, I have to weigh in with you, Sam. I think you're right. I think thoughts you hear. Whether.
3: I, I can make a case for emotions being your heart. Because, like, mm-hmm. when you have heartbreak, like, haven't you ever literally felt it in your heart, in your chest? Isn't that an emotion? That's the only one I can come up with. And I mean even with the, the falling in love, you feel it. And it's not your big toe where you're feeling it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one big toe is your thought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's your body's it's your your body's reaction to an outside stimulus, a perception. Can you control your emotions? Uh, Be an advocate to tell you right off the bat, initially on the incipient spark of it, sometimes that's very challenging. Um, That's
0: a diplomatic way to say, very challenging. Yes. So in a way, we're kind of back to temperature. Like, have you ever just gotten hot and you just get aggravated? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, girls. But sometimes it can be like you're having a perfectly good day or you're with someone you really want to make a good impression on, but you just, you're hot and you lose all your personality. You know, it's just that Texas sun is just bearing down on you. I mean, it's funny that it can be even as simple as as temperature gauging. You know, when I was interviewing Holocaust survivors, that what I found out with the the survivors is that (coughs) some of them had t- been too stimulated in their emotions like they'd had they'd been raked through the mud so bad that trauma. trauma like like the one lady i remember you know it had been her job to take the children and you know carry them out you know from the the chamber so after having done that for so long she was just devoid of feelings. Like it, they, She had used up all her what I call happy bubbles in life. There was just one anything left to her. Another lady, she. there's a name for this, but she would laugh when she should cry, but she couldn't cry. So in, the reason why you would study this is because perhaps you could come to the place of saying this is what a feeling is. And the point that I was making and the, the reason we had this as a Sunday school lesson is because I wanted interaction on it. Because I wanted to think I wasn't the only one mixed up on it. By the time you take uh, the language of biology and, and chemistry, by the time you take the language of just how we emotionally feel and we think about things and you put it with biblical language, I wasn't landing concretely what I think feelings are, yet I think feelings are a driving force among people. Like, if, if my dad said, "If you can solve the feelings part, Angie, you've solved half the world's problems." And you know, I was looking at my dad as tough and strong, and had not thought of him as having that many feelings that would move him that much, make him instable, unstable, unstable. I hadn't seen him that way, but he said, oh, yeah, men have them. We just do something different with them. So feelings are very unusual. And so at this point, I think we can just leave it just the car parked here, that there's a lot of uh, different ways to look at what a feeling is in your body. I I think we're, we're away from one big toe being thoughts and the other big toe being feelings. So we know they're kind of in the upper part of our bodies. You know, sometimes I feel like if I open myself up, it's just all feelings. Y- you know, emotions that there are times I'm in emotional spiritual warfare. All right, I'm going to give you this concept and see if you what you think of this. In the body, there are three places in your body that keep score. Your mind, your heart, and they say your gut.
2: That's scientifically proven.
0: Yeah, everybody's into the gut stuff, you know.
2: <laughs> I think I can prove that
0: thoughts create feelings. Oh, let's hear it.
2: Yeah, Mom well, just stole my coffee, he traded cups and drank all coffee. I just found out now I'm really
0: mad. <laughs> 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 it's a challenge <laughs> what they tell me you can either be right or you can be happy that control the systems down here sure
2: I'm saying what Robert said but there's one in your heart too there's, like, 40,000 neurons in, like, what's called the little brain of your heart. I don't if you can go study or not. But so the neurons in your heart uh, are able to learn, remember, and make decisions independent of your brain. Like there's actually, like, some
0: memory stored in your heart. So that would weigh in that, would weigh in that uh, Steph has a possibility that heart is the center of the emotions. I think it's unusual for the Bible to tell you love God with all your heart. Loving with all your soul. For them to use those two ideas, loving with all your mind, that that gives That's you
4: something. thoughts. Yeah. There was something, something, there was a, I don't want to ruin your teaching, but you, somebody had a heart transplant. Are you telling me that? Mm-mm. Like, I think a kid or somebody had a heart transplant, but she was having dreams of being the other person. person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's the second person to weigh in. Okay, so someone had a heart transplant, and after the heart transplant, they started having dreams of being the other person. Wow. Oh, they're mixing things up now with what they can do. I mean, they're doing some really psycho experiments now. But, <laughs> well, John, that, that added a lot. I mean, even the people that had gone to bed at 4 are, they're they're alert now. I mean... We've stimulated shock in everybody now that... Even for emotions...
3: Where are you feeling it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like,
0: emotions
2: going down, or even you in shock? Like, our body has systems even for our thoughts and our emotions. It's like, you hurt your hand enough, it damages the nerves. You can't feel it. You can't mm-hmm. tell if they go
0: hot or cold. <laughs> there goes temperature right there. But then...
2: Mm -hmm. You have that same type of damage where your brain, that thing is there, but your brain can't, or where brain or heart can't perceive that
4: feeling. Mm -hmm. But you know that
2: can be physiological, like when your brain physically adapts to stuff like that. It actually stops changing the physiology.
0: The brain, you know, when it's been damaged, is shocking where a different part of it can strengthen and compensate for it. So you see remarkable things that God has put within us where that one's more coming out of a, a damage of, a, you know, just different ways people deal with something. Sometimes people have imaginary friends when they were lonely. There's different things people do trying to cope. But
2: also
0: yeah. also we
3: notice in deliverance, trauma <laughs> is when demons enter. Yeah. We see it all the time. Uh, so, trauma is when demons enter.
0: So, you're asking how much so, does something like this ha- have had a demonic influence over it? But
3: what I'm saying is, and I don't want to get ahead of you, is. Ahead?
0: I don't even know where I am.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, our our mind, will, and emotions are all in our soul's realm. Mm-hmm. But we're noticing that anytime there's trauma, whether it's emotional or with your mind that it makes you let's just say not in control or it does a shocking or a stunning so when you're not aware the way that you normally would be that's when we see that the demonic realm takes advantage and we see in all of our deliverances we go back to when it first started it's usually at a place of trauma
2: mm-hmm.
3: something happened whether it came in as a thought as an emotion i mean to me they're they're separate thoughts and emotions are are separate but they're in the same realm
0: yes they're we for for biblical Scholarship. Soulish RAM has both the thoughts and the emotions in it. And the will. Yeah, the will, there's personality. So we've already touched on the fact that can thoughts have feelings? And do your emotions or feelings have thoughts? Now, if you get into psychology, they will divide emotions and feelings out. Everybody's just trying to find language for this. And I'm going to also tell you. It seems like language has evolved to be more precise. Like in the older days, they had one word and it it could mean a lot of different things. So that makes it a little bit more testy when you're trying to really nail it down. But I was I was really trying. Yeah, that's that color was, yeah, not always there, but. What, what I was going to say is when you're really trying to nail it down, I didn't want to stumble over and make a mistake if feelings weren't as much of a separate entity as we think they are, <laughs> or are they completely a separate entity? And the, the statement I heard that landed that the most was how Sam divided it out. And she said it might be a weird thought, it might be a way out there concept. But the truth is she was telling how she could distinguish the difference inside of herself. And for feelings to be this major of a factor, I wanted us to really put some thought into them <laughs> because literally we have felt and felt and felt and felt, but we don't have much understanding of them. Uh, let me, let me read you this sentence. I don't think like this anymore. Like, remember, I, I, I don't think like this anymore. So why do I feel like this? <laughs> so you see a little bit of Sam's ideal in that. I don't think like this anymore. But why do I still feel that way? Like I may have matured out of something where my, my thinking is more developed. It's more like an adult. But my emotions can be stuck somewhere else. So you're asking yourself what is stronger emotions or thoughts, and that could be case by case. I mean, you could make a case for different people. It's different ways. Or you could say, is there one that has more impact in your body? You know, are your emotions stronger than your thoughts? Or are they just a byproduct? Are they a reaction or perception? I mean, we've gone gone in a lot of different areas with it. Now, I'm going to pull in a couple of things, and I'm not ready to... Speak into it, but I'm just, I'm just going to uh, just lay it out there. You know, biblically, fear is a sin. Biblically speaking, fear is a sin. Yeah. But you feel it. So sins have feelings attached to them. And that's why you do something or you have a reaction because you feel something. So you feel a sin. Absolutely. I mean, that's
1: shame, it's anger, that's pride, that's, that's, I mean, mm-hmm. that's all of those things. It's not just fear.
0: No. The two predominant ones that they discuss is fear and anger. So um, do you experience fear differently than you do anger? Because if anger is soulish, can it also be of the spirit? Yeah. so I think anger is different than fear in this regard for us that uh, hold to the authority of the Bible. You can be angry and not sin. Yeah. There's
1: absolutely right to say
0: that. But I don't think you can be fearful in the sense of how Jesus uses fear and not sin. Like you can have fear of God, or you can use fear as an indicator. It's odd.
2: Well, I think fear of God is more of respect. And then when we talk about the fear that's a sin, that's when you're being fearful for your own safety when God's your protector.
0: Let me tell you what I do with anger. I call anger when I'm really, really angry. (laughs) Because we're talking about is anger soulish or is anger of the spirit? And I could say uh, some anger is soulish, it's selfish. But if I was going to describe what anger of the spirit is, like when I'm very angry with you or I watch Steph in deliverance and she gets angry, once it touched the altar and became holy in deliverance when she's very angry, that means there's some demonic thing still present or you've got some strong thinking error. And it, no one's going to rest until that's solved. It's, just, it's not going to go down right. For me, if I get angry, and it's of my spirit, it's not a selfish motive, but it's, it's in my spirit, it's a high form of fierce love. And I can't really distinguish the difference between uh, love in the sense of one feels like love because it's peaceful, but when it's not peaceful and it's fierce, It feels like anger, but it's a high form of love. It's a very fierce form of love. So you can see these, even in the negative, you can see things that God can take if you put it on the altar. And let's say the only thing you fear is God himself. What a way to live. So do you experience, if we're talking about feelings, do you experience joy differently than you experience peace. I went negative first so because we make those two different names. we're back to our feelings. you put you put your whatever gauge you have down there to check your feelings.
1: I think it's different when you're talking about because I do think that you have the joy of God and the peace of God and just normal joy and peace are very, very different things.
0: Yeah, happiness is different than joy.
1: Yeah, and so I think that when you're talking about righteous and joy and and peace from God, I don't think they're the same, but I think they do run hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but then outside of that, our happiness or worldly joy or peace or whatever is very fragile and can be fake in a way. You think you mm-hmm. worldly joy and, and peace is sorry, you can sorry, okay. mm-hmm. like you can think you're happy but then you go home that night and you're like you lay in bed and you're by yourself and then you're no longer happy. Yes. Or you can think that you're relaxed and you're chill and you're hanging out and you have peace and then something happens and it's been, it's no longer the
0: case. You're making a very good point because I think the world lives on those what I call hopped up emotions. Like, it's a party, so they're supposed to be having fun, so they try to give it all they've got. But the, the high only has a very low down period. So, yes, I agree with you. I think that there, it's hard to explain it in your language precisely that everyone says that's my language for it, but you're describing something that's really there. And only until you have true peace do so I think you can understand what a, a false peace feels like? Yes. I think Jesus spoke into this when he says, Peace I give you. Peace not as the world gives you, give I to you. Yeah. And and when God, when God gives you peace, a lot of times it's in a circumstance that would not produce peace. But he can give you a peace that goes past your understanding. Even, do we dare say, past your thoughts? I, I think sometimes... <laughs> That, that peace can go past your thoughts into you in the sense that there's a reservoir that heaven has of feelings that he wants to give to us. And, and the feelings that come down from heaven, I would describe them this way. If, if Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace, a peace that the world's not going to understand is the kind of peace I give you. Someone made a quip about that peace. They said, the world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away from you. And so he can put something in the linings of your brain, in the uh, portions of your heart, that defy every outside circumstance that you're going through. Like the reactions, (laughs) everything you're going through, you can have a core piece, Steph. Yes, I, I was just re, uh, going through a lesson I did last night of check, check your spirit. And I talk about the fact that, you know, a, a lot of times our brain can be going crazy, but inside of our, our heart or our spirit man, it's peaceful. But there can be times that your head is crazy. Okay, it's opposite. How do you see it? That your, your heart has peace, but your head's going crazy, and it's the Lord. I'm, I'm, like, I'm in such an out-of-control situation. I have a peace, but I'm not telling myself I have a peace because no, no one in their right be. mind would <laughs> agree with me I should be in this situation and be peaceful. And that was like the night when the guy who worked the streets at night gave me his hotel card. And I had to decide, was that God giving that to me, or was this the devil? Because somebody's going to live or die based on hearing. So uh, even though I, I felt peace, I had a hard time telling myself that the peace was in my spirit because my mind was standing up like an Indian doing a war dance telling me, you have lost your ever-loving mind. Send your location to John. If you send it to Eric, he'll be there in seconds. All right. All emotions are equal. If good emotions are fruit of the spirit, are bad emotions fruit of the demonic? I uh,
2: Not always. I don't think.
1: I think yes, and them.
0: Because it's love, joy, peace.
3: Well, it's either demonic or self.
0: If good emotions are fruit of the spirit, all right, love, joy, peace are rarely a problem. That's what Paul says. You you can hardly get into if. <laughs> so love joy and peace can it be soulish love soulish joy soulish peace
4: what is a good emotion because different emotions at different times can have different consequences like uh fight or flight or peace versus head like you were talking about Uh, um, emotions we divide them up into good and bad, but are they really? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bible lists. Of
0: and-, and, and I'm saying fruit of the spirit are good just because yeah. they're fruit of the spirit. They're by the Holy Spirit. So I, above it, it says, here are the deeds of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking, is that fruit of the demonic? <laughs> is this fruit of the spirit? Okay. So we're in the world of very subjective. All right. What we have to divide is Satan's influence on our emotions. So emotions can have a physical effect on the body. It can cause internal conflict. Evil emotions, extreme or emotional confusions or disorder. Emotions which don't prevent you from thinking or acting in an organized or reasonably effective manner. And this kind of goes with between the two of you, strong emotions will seem to skip from stimulus to reaction, seemingly bypassing the thought process. There does seem to be that aspect. All right. So what we have to do is divide Satan's influence on our emotions. Satan will take whatever's tempting you and will act like a carnival barker and say, look at this, look at this. And he'll keep pointing at something. And sometimes we get into what's Satan's version of something, like Satan's version of success. You may be striving to prove something to yourself of, okay, this will make me feel good, or this will make me successful, or this will give me what I want. But it's Satan's version of it. Let's say uh, vast riches, powerful, important careers, huge crowds, and adoring friends. The world goes for that, but you can either have that handed to you by Satan, and it can run you, or you can have it handed to you by the Lord, and you have the power to steward it. So you're stepping into God's version of success because a lot of what the world says on emotions is very much holding hands with um, your circumstances, with what happens to you. Like if something good happens to you, win the lottery, your emotions go high. So being in command of your emotions, in charge of your emotions, that is the step that we're talking about here, that we talk a lot about being in charge of our thoughts. But I want you to think of yourself right now that I can command my emotions. I can be in charge. Let me read you a verse. Like this is someone that has no command over your anger. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. If you vent every feeling you have, it puts you in a category. You're on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Even in a situation of a family relationship, if you vent every emotion you have, it can cause a a problem in your family. But if you admit nothing that you're feeling, it can be a problem. What about offense? Unoffendable. You know, you deal with something called forgiveness. Let's see if you've ever felt like this. If I feel like forgiving them, if I don't feel like forgiving them, how can I forgive them? If, if I don't have anything in me that feels like I want to forgive them, then how can I forgive them? But then I read, if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. That's a problem. That's a big problem, and God threatens this with us all the time. This is not one time in the Bible. This concept is throughout everything that Jesus taught, that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. But if forgiveness is a feeling, we've got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Because if I don't feel like forgiving them, how can you expect me to forgive them? I don't feel like forgiving them. There's nothing in them that deserves to be forgiven. Your thoughts go crazy. Your emotions go crazy. They owe me money. So passives. Okay, if, if aggressives have no command over their anger, their trigger, they're going to vent all their feelings. Aggressives. Everybody goes, Oh, that's an aggressive. They have no control over their anger. I'm going to say passes have no command over their lack of anger. And that's a problem. Everybody looks at the aggressive and says, Problem, problem, problem. It's obvious, they vent. But passes have no command over the lack of anger. You're in charge of your emotions. You're in command of them. You must lead your emotions. You must step forward and let the Holy Spirit take control. That concept that you're a product of everything you feel, and that is the message of this culture is, I would not be being true to myself if I did something that was different than how I feel. Like, are you asking me not to be me and not to feel that way? If you get into that thinking, you're thinking like your culture. And we're taking a flip right here, and we're saying, you tell yourself how to feel. You are in command of your emotions. You literally can flip it. They will change on a dime. (laughs) Like, it's shocking. Have you ever felt very strongly about something, and 10 seconds later you feel completely the opposite? It's where it came out. It's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. (laughs) Logical men have a hard time understanding the emotional side of a woman. That 10 seconds later, it can be a completely different way she feels, and you didn't get the uh, ideal. she swapped on you. Sometimes you can have someone in iron sharpen iron and you argue it out so much that you've taken their position and they don't know that both of you have swapped sides. (laughs) You're so persuasive, you convince the other one. So passives do not have a free pass in this and say, I'm a passive, so I'm not the problem of venting. I'm saying you're not having command over your lack of anger. You must be angry over the right things. A person that says no, to, never uses their no, is not using their power. So you must have command. Some things are worthy of our anger. Some things are righteous. Our cause would not be righteous if we were not angry about it. So. You must realize that there are times that God's going to call on you because you're going to fix what you're angry about. So I can't have someone looking at someone and say, "Oh, they're the problem; they're the angry one." When I'm the problem, that I'm there's nothing that bothers me. I'm just going about my little selfish life, doing what I want to do, and not I'm unaware of everyone. That's passive. So, um, people in addictions. It can be passive, scared of conflict, but hides what self wants. I mean, I'm going to have to bring to the table uh, Catherine's uh, real estate guy. That's on the other side of the table. We were talking about he's so passive. He's so selfish. He's so unhelpful. He's so lazy. He is what I call a self-contained guy. He wants his money, and he doesn't want to do anything about it. So when he gets to Judgment Day and he wants to go into heaven, God will say the same thing to him. I don't care about your eternity. I don't want to do anything about it. You didn't give me anything to work with, Mr. Lazy Passive Guy. So why would you expect me to do anything about it when you did nothing about anything that I cared about on earth, says God? Like, God has things he cares about. That's why he tells that Matthew 25 parable of saying the goats go this way because they were unaware people had problems, but the sheep go this way. It's the concept that if you care, you have no emotional strength for anything God cares about, you won't get an unfair judgment. You'll get what's your standard of judgment. God will not care what happens to you. Find your own place to live in eternity. There's someone calling for you now. Go with them. Go where your God is. Procrastination, they think, uh, the, the day that I worked out procrastination with y'all, through all of our parents' generations, up to our parents, for generations before our parents to our parents, they looked at procrastination as a thought, a lazy thought. You just don't do anything in a timely manner. This is going to go with what you said, Sam. Sam. I I don't want to do that. And they've had a switch on procrastination. If this could be our test case, it's no longer the thought of I don't want to do that that they work with on laziness. It's I don't want to do that emotion. And they started treating procrastination as an emotion and not a thought and it's been a world of difference in the upkeep. So that's why when we've taken this and we've divided it out, you know, because I'm of the old school, if you don't want to do it, I can give you reason where you want to. <laughs> and you will wear that feeling on your backside and that will motivate you to do, but it doesn't cure it as an adult when you don't want to do it still. And that's because you are, having, are n- not having command over your emotions. So it's pressure. It's what you're terrible at handling, pressure. And it's emotional. I think many of the battles that we're losing is emotional battles. Yes. And I think procrastination is a good place to look at it. Because we have started teaching on thought battles, but we have not dealt with our emotional battles. So that brings us up to the conclusion. Let's say it's prayer block. If you treat your prayer block as an emotional problem, like do you feel like there's a brass heavens uh, over you? Do you feel like that God doesn't love you? Do you feel like he doesn't know you? Do you feel like that God isn't listening? You're going to have to take command of your emotions and say to your emotions what God says. Emotionally, I tell myself God loves me. Emotionally, I say God is with me. Emotionally, I say I can't go anywhere that God doesn't go there with me. I say emotionally, God I would be calling God a liar to tell him there's a brass heavens over me when Jesus became the mediator, tore the veil. Let us go into the Holy of Holies to say that God doesn't listen to my prayers. Emotionally, you have to win the war. So as we're closing this ideal, we are failing in our spiritual warfare. Emotions are in the same realm as our will and they're in the same realm as our thoughts, then treat them like a thought battle. Treat them like it's a choice of your will. Take authority. Make a choice. You make a choice. I'm going to let this one stand, or I'm not going to let it stand. If you accept the feeling, you've got it, till the bubbles evaporate. (laughs) It belongs to you. The thought is the only thing thought. But you have to go after the emotions. When your emotions are driving your car, you've got a problem. Men, if you are looking at women to marry and they have no emotional, and I'm going to use control because it sounds better in the sentence, but I'm saying where they're not in charge of it, the car is going to be driven all over the place. Women, if the man is hiding his emotions and he's driving like crazy with his emotional, his emotions are in the car, you've got to look at can he do emotional warfare? Can he tell himself how he's going to feel? Because if he says to you three days in a row, I don't feel like going to work today. (laughs) I don't feel like feeding the three babies you've given me. I mean, this (laughs) can be problems. (laughs) We have to win in the area of the emotions driving the car, and we have somehow been taught never fight a feeling because we think we are that feeling. So, if I don't have this feeling of caring, like, okay, I'm a confirmed passive. I wear the badge. I don't care. I'm numb. You have to go. I will not have this feeling of passiveness. I will not have this thing where I don't care about people. I must care. If I don't do it, who will? And you say, I will take charge of this feeling of depression. You are not going to waste my day. I'm not going to be laying around saying I'm all just out of being out of shape. I feel depressed. Are you really going to hand God when he gives you a gift of a day and you're going to give him half of it back depressed that you did nothing with it? Is that literally where it says each day present wisdom with your day? And the best wisdom you have is I just sit around feeling depressed, inactive, and doing nothing because I just didn't feel like it, that I just feel like a passive. So I'm going to go through my life not making any decisions, and I'm literally going to do nothing with my life because that's how I feel about myself. I mean, why should I feel differently? I have generations behind me that have trained me to feel just like this. I don't care how people think. I don't want to care how people think. I've got enough problems about my own. Are you going to literally let those emotions stand? Is that what it's going to be? Or are you going to tell it to go in the name of Jesus? Are you literally going to speak to that emotion and say that Jesus bore my griefs, sorrows, emotions on the cross? That not, not only did he bear my physical stripes for healing, not only did he bear my sins that were scarlet, and offensive but he bore my emotional health. He bore my wholeness and he bore my well-being and that's why I can say that literally he came to heal the broken-hearted. I don't have to bring broken-heartedness into every situation. I don't have to bring it into all my relationships. I don't have to make you pay for the pain that I had in my past. I literally have the ability to be in charge of my emotions. And we only have fought the area in the thought, but we've accepted the feelings and only fought the thought, and we have remained powerless in the area of our emotions, and we're failing in emotional, spiritual warfare because we have not taken authority and told our emotions what they're going to do. As the great Smith Wigglesworth said, when they ask him, how do you feel, And everyone knows that when someone reaches a certain age, never ask the person how they feel. It is the first law of being around older people in a church that has all the elders. Never ask them how they feel because you're going to be there all day. But the truth is, you ask this generation how they feel, And they are typing away to tell you how they feel. You get on how they're feeling, their feelings go 90 to nothing, and they're telling you how I feel, how I feel, and they never, ever tell you what they're doing about it, their method, how they're getting out of it. It is powerlessness. And we all make fun of the older person sitting there talking and doing nothing with it, but we are not taking responsibility that there is very much something that God has given us to do. So when that younger person asked that older person, Smith Wigglesworth, how do you feel? He answered this, how do I feel in the mornings? I don't ask myself how I feel. I tell myself how to feel. And that's wisdom. Amen.